You're listening to Chameleon Church. Biblical antidotes for the modern man. With your host, Ellen Aguirre. Hey, Alan Aguirre with the Chameleon Church Show for you for Tuesday, September 14th. We're already in the middle of the month. I'm not, I'm not sure how this happens. One day it'll be like in the year 2525. It'll just, we'll just be in the year 2525. And it won't have any rhyme or reason on how we got there so quickly. I don't know how fast time flies. It's and I've mentioned it before. It's like touring. You leave your house in the spring, and you come back. It's November, and you wonder where the whole year went. And it was spent in other people's cities and towns and byways and highways. But anyway, my name's Alan Aguirre, coming to you live and direct from the Wasatch back of northern Utah. This is our uh, co-host, Lenny Parada, Pastor Lenny Parada. Are you still a pastor or are you retired, Lenny? Do you, do you, can you ever retire? Who knows? From, uh, can you ever, ever retire from one of those things? I don't think so. Yeah, it's if like it's a truly a calling, you don't retire. Right. It's kind of like a musician or a writer. We don't exactly. ever stop working. We just die. <laughs> That's right. And, uh, and we've got this guy to join us this morning as well. Hey morning. Chris, you're you're, are, morning, you're you've, Chris. Been, uh, you've been hanging around recently. What's going on? Yeah, you keep asking me back. I don't know what. What do I have to say to get fired around here? <laughs> uh, I'll come up with something. <laughs> I'm thing. glad to be here. Oh well, thanks. Thanks for joining us, Lenny, Chris, Chris, Lenny. You guys remember each other? Oh yeah, I'm sure do. Yeah, it was great. I watched you guys last week. Couldn't join you, but it was great. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. We had a little conversation there. So, yeah, man. Um, it's recall I, day behind the Redwood Curtain here. Oh, oh really? Recall. Wow. It is, it, is, it is so crazy out there. I can't even handle it, man. They're talking. So, we have family in Australia. My wife has family in Australia. Man, what a cockadoodoo show going on over there, man! It, it's like, are they doing it because they they feel like they're so far away? Like, like you know, Alaska, Alaska. When you're in Alaska, and Chris would know this, you know, you can feel you're not in the lower 48. You feel it. I'm wondering if they're if that's why they're doing what they're doing in in, in uh, Australia because they're they're so far away from everybody else. But anyway. They called. They wanted to have a little chit chat with us about life in these United States, um, because they're you know they're Americans living abroad. What uh, city? Do you know? Uh, I can't remember exactly where they're at, but they moved there like a long time ago, like my father-in-law's sister, and and so they've they've got. Uh, you know, there's still Americans there, but that have been there for, you know, they've raised families there. They've been there a long time, 30 plus years or whatever. So they have, they've, they've married locals, they have children, they have families, the whole nine yards. And they're calling us to see how life is here because they, they're apparently there is, there's talk of taking children away from parents who won't 
play uh, the Hokey Pokey. Hmm, they told you this? What did they, uh, I mean, I've read stuff like that, but what did they say? How's that in their, how's that translating in their real, in the real world? They get a notice or? Well, they, well, they can't, well, first of all, they can't go anywhere. They can only go, if, you know, a certain amount of distance. Right. They, they, they have to scan everywhere they go. Just, it's like the tracking system is just endless. Um, and they're like, they're not, they're not, they're, they're not digging it. And so they were wondering about what, how's life here? whether, you know, Florida, Texas, Colorado, Utah, that type of thing. So we had this conversation with them and it's, man, the fact that we're having these conversations, what the hell? And, and then like the next day or two, Michigan is suggesting putting it on the books that if, uh, about taking kids away, if you're not playing the hokey pokey, what the heck is going on out there? Oh, outskirts of Adelaide, she thinks. So, Anyway, it's just it's just so goofy, goofy. What's going on out there? The whole world's gripped in fear. You know that statement that's loaded that Jesus said that because lawlessness abounds, the love of many will grow cold. Well, what does he say about love? He goes, "Perfect love gets rid of fear." And uh, one of the chief signs people forget is that fear is going to go global. Hmm. And it's the opposite of the fear of the Lord, which is going to cause people to say, you know, Lord, you do all things well. And so look at the rise of fear and how they're capitalizing on it. You know, the spiritual forces of darkness as well as governments that want to control people are just going to use fear. And we and we've just seen the beginning of it. Fear and intrepidation. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, there there is a lot of fear, a lot of fear base. I mean, the whole fear is the whole reason why you do whatever you do, so that your granny doesn't die or whatever. Remember that they were actually using that line. It's just weird, man. It's weird because I figure. Okay, I posted a video recently of a guy driving around Philadelphia, and all the homeless drug addicts out there, and it's like literally a zombie bomb was blown up there in philly it's really bad it's it's horrible to look look at um because they're all apparently on the same drug i forgot what drug it is that they're on but it's from guess where it's from china yeah and um i mean there's something really wrong has happened out there but here's why th- I'm, I'm thinking if there's like a real i mean if if there was uh if there was something out there that was that deadly I would think the homeless and drug addicts and strippers and prostitutes and people of that persuasion would be dropping like flies. There'd be bodies in the street and stuff, but there isn't. What blows my mind is how disproportionate the global societal response to this thing has been. That's what blows my mind. I mean, isn't that the first clue that there's some other agenda going on? Ugh, it's just. It's too what much. do you mean disproportionate? I mean, it's not the same it's, everywhere. Well, no, no. If this was as bad as it was, shouldn't people like that, drug addicts and homeless uh, and like prostitutes and strippers and people like that, should, they, they should be, there should be bodies piling up everywhere. If it was so bad that they need to shut down. So apparently in Australia, all the states are shut down. There's no interstate travel. And, and they're like, they've built um, facilities for people 
notice how I'm using my words carefully. They've built facilities for people that aren't cooperating with the narrative. And, um, and they're talking about taking the, you know, the, the state is talking about taking kids away from parents who won't do the hokey pokey. Well, if that's a disproportionate reaction to what's actually going on, because if it was really that that bad, shouldn't those type of people be? Shouldn't there be piles of bodies lined up in the alleyways of homeless and drug addicts? It's not, you know, what I'm saying. That's why they're like, it's like, it's insane. Does, do you understand what I'm saying now? Oh yeah, I do. I thought I thought you were talking more about governments versus just the right. I get, I get, well, I get what you're saying now. Yeah, it's interesting, man. <laughs> It is interesting. That's what I'm talking about. I think the, I don't think you're ever going to get anywhere logically. No. Re- re- reason, trying to reason. But to me, it's like I was, I was talking to someone the other day and, and I wouldn't say we're lined up on a hundred percent of our opinions about it, but he was asking me how I would, I was trying to explain my take and, discernment is what it came down to you know that that for me how that shows up is when it's in the negative is there is a pit in my stomach in the top of my chest cavity that is just like something doesn't feel right here but there's hope Lenny Lenny was kicking off about fear but I think where I knew where he was going is where is our hope right and and they're working that angle I mean, that's, yeah, there is, there's literally no reasoning with that side of the aisle. There's no reasoning whatsoever. And they're, and they're all hypocrites. I mean, there's this great picture of all these people together, uh, without their, uh, face shields on. And then as soon as the cameras come up, you know, as soon as they're about to take their picture, everyone puts on their, 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 you know, we're being, I, I realized this weeks into this thing. I don't know how anyone can't see it if they don't see it. And I know a lot of people that don't see it, but we've been played hard. So we're being played hard, hard. I have a question. And it's global. That's the crazy thing. Go ahead. Um, been thinking about this um, verse in Matthew 24. Nation will rise against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, some versions say pestilences, not all of them do, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. And what we were talking about last week about uh, not knowing the day or the hour, but knowing the seasons. Right. About calendar. Here, here's the question. If Jesus also says, in this, in this world you will have trouble, Take heart, I have overcome. So eventually, whether that time is now or it's the beginning of something different, we know things will be rough. We know for those that believe in Jesus, they're going to know trials. The, uh, the, the, the question is, how do we fight it or are we supposed to fight it? Because in some ways you read that and go, man, this is super exciting right now. Because what God is, what Jesus prophesied is about to happen. And so that posture of like, of there's like, there's all these little mixing levers of hope, survival, 
evangelism, the gospel, the kingdom is going to grow, and then self-protection and like that spectrum of where, where we should be with, with, oh, this is great. Actually, the, we're going to be oppressed. This is super great. Bring it on. Oh, this is cool. Versus standing up for your rights. And that's, that's the question I'm thinking about. All right. So the question is, how are we supposed to react or respond to the, the prophecies that the brownie's going to hit the whirly and we're, uh, and we need to, you know, but we, but we, but we're told ahead of time, you know, we, I, I read out of Revelation 13. When was that? Was that incorruptible? And I mentioned how it's, and it says in there, if you're supposed to go to jail, you're going to go to jail. If you're supposed to die, you're going to die. Um, you know, and now, you know, there's a lot of pastors like to teach on uh, Jeremiah. I have a, I know what my plans for you are. And it's good plans and right. Blah, 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 oh my blah. gosh. And they always leave out the part in, that it involves 70 years of uh, bondage at foreign land. <laughs> they always leave that out. Why, why don't they preach contextually the Bible, Lenny? I mean, do you know how many po- times I hear people preach Joshua 1, and they leave out the piece that Joshua's the, the whole subject, and that's, that's keep the Torah. popcorn theology, baby. That's popcorn ah, theology. Christians are just the stupidest people. I don't understand it. They, they'll preach Jeremiah about, hi, I have a plan for you, and it's, it's a good plan. And they leave out, it involves, that plan involves 70 years of captivity. Yeah. But everybody, quotes, everybody quotes that scripture for comfort, saying that God's for you, and then it's you get run so over by weird. a car the next day. Yeah, it's so weird that you forgot the, the bondage and captivity part. And Joshua 1, you forgot that you're supposed to keep uh, the, the Torah or you'll die. Because it's like, oh, yeah. They, they push that whole Joshua 1 thing, and they always leave out that script, that, that part. It's like... It's like you can't do that. You're lying at that point, Pastor Man. You're lying to the people that you're talking to when you leave out the actual heart of the matter. The reasoning behind that is because we've made human beings people-centric as the the primary. Uh, um, but what I want to say is that we've made people central rather than Jesus. We really did. So all the scriptures pertain really to our comfort, our hope, our salvation. And to answer your question about when you're quoting about the beginning of sorrows, I believe we've been in that since about Israel became a nation in 1948. That I will use that for that. But he goes on to say, to answer that question, he goes, um, but he who, you want to know how, how we navigate it? He who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the world as witnesses to all nations. Then the end will come. The church has not preached the gospel of the kingdom, which is he's coming to take over, destroy evil, the, the, the principalities and powers, and our redemption that comes along with that. And I believe there's been a, a lack in understanding of the gospel of the kingdom because the gospel of the kingdom to the average churchgoer is just his salvation and everything that benefits him. So, oh, my gosh, how could we endure all this stuff? What, why is this happening to me? Oh, and what happens when he opens the third seal and a quarter of the population is destroyed off the planet? It ain't the devil. That's Jesus flipping the switch. And right. we have not taught the people properly. Because no, we should see, be trying out Maranatha. Yeah. Just thought. 
Though they preach the gospel of salvation. And the reason why they preach the gospel right. of salvation is because you have, well, seemingly no responsibility in this relationship. But when you preach the gospel of the kingdom, oh, yes. you actually have to be in alignment, proactive. You have to actually get to the point where you can hear God's voice so that you can understand his will, so that you can do his will. And all of that is a complete inconvenience for people. So they're not going to preach that. They don't preach what we're supposed to be doing in order for this stuff to happen, in order for us to be on the right side of things when the, when the whirly hits, the, when the brownie hits the whirly. So we're ill-equipped. We're not equipped, which is literally why we do this show, why we write the books that we write, so that we can equip you, so that when, you're, when, you, when, when, when you find yourself holding your, uh, you know, <laughs> when you find yourself in that situation... Oh man, what a edit that was! Um, you're not flapping in the wind, man. That's right. Yes, you know, Jesus, Jesus was tongue and cheek. Go ahead. I, I'm sorry. No, sorry. It, it just Jesus says all this. Jesus stuff. was tongue in cheek when he was in Matthew 24, from 23 to 25. He would go on to say to them, "He goes, I'm not going to say too much more because." Even where you're at, you're not rabbis, my disciples, but you should know what Daniel is, because every Jew that walked the planet at that time was taught the Torah. And he goes, you should have known this. You should have known this, what Daniel would say. And the gospel of the kingdom did when the Son of Man, riding on the clouds, the cloud rider, met with the Ancient of Days, and it says the kingdom was given over to him. He was taken over. People just, they, they don't see that that's the central point. And uh, when he's delivering this uh, uh, diatribe of uh, signs in the end, he's really laying out saying, he goes, this probably needs to be preeminent of all things to know about me. And they missed it. They would learn about it, but. The church right. hasn't been taught that. No. See, it's a lot easier to teach and preach that you have no responsibility in this relationship and keep yes. people anemic and powerless and subservient and clueless. That's the way it's always been. It's 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 easy. See, if I can't see the Pharisees, the Pharisees couldn't heal the sick. They couldn't raise the dead. They they had no they weren't charismatic. And the last, and the last time, well, okay, I, I asked some of our my guys here to help me out with this. What what was the last recorded miracle in the Bible before Jesus hit the scene, before the the wedding of Canaan? And we concluded that it was the lions of Dan, Daniel in the lions' den. That's mm. a long time. That's a massive gap of no charismatic movement that we know of that's, that's recorded. So Daniel in the lion's den and the and the wedding feast of, of of Canaan, where Jesus turns water into wine, and then from there he he unleashes with you know he starts healing people, raising the dead, casting out demons, and all that, cleansing people from unclean spirits. So the Pharisees were threatened by that because they themselves could not do it; they could not heal, they couldn't do any of those gifts. And so, because they couldn't do any of those gifts, well, that was um, that was a threat to them, 
because Jesus could and they couldn't. And they didn't teach that you, that they could because they couldn't do that. Right? That being the case, it's a lot easier for churches to actually teach um, the 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 contradiction of, of those things like, Oh, you know, it's not for today. Those gifts are not for today. That's easy to teach because they can't teach that they are for today because they can't do it themselves. That's why I think predominantly Christianity has taught against these things because they can't do them. And that, that makes pastors look bad. Well, it's not just limited to the gifts. It's, 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 it's far reaching. They do the same regarding a whole bunch of other stuff just like that. For example, um, no man knows the day or hour, right? That's not talking about Jesus' return. That's talking about at the end of the age. Because Paul says that Jesus' return, Messiah's return, is uh, is only like a thief to those that are in the dark. But it's been taught that all of us, that none of us are capable of knowing that day or the season of his return. And why would why would they preach that we're all in the dark? Well, because they are. Because they don't have the the, the discernment or the skill sets to discern the the, the seasons um, or any of that stuff. Why? Well, because. They, the majority of those people don't believe in Charismatica. They don't believe in the power. Remember, we, we talked about that the other day. It's more than 60% don't believe that stuff. Well, we're not just talking about sheep. We're talking about disciples. We're, we're, not, we're not talking about just disciples. We're talking about pastors. Because how do 60-plus percent of Christians come to that conclusion outside of their pastor telling them these things or suggesting these things? So, back to your question, if if Jesus is warning us that all this stuff is going to happen, it even says they're going to drag you to that believers will 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 try to kill you, and they think they'll be doing God's will in the process. That's heavy. Woo. I know. Well, people are 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 are, t- are doing the hokey pokey, thinking it's God's will. You know, um, people were uh, picking up. Had you know signs with three letters on them, and taking little Bobby and Susie uh, out into the suburbs on the on the street corners, holding up these little signs, thinking it was God's will, thinking they were doing God's work. See, when you're deceived, you don't know that you're deceived, and the majority of these people are not of us. That's the the hardest and scariest thing about it. Jesus warns us of this, but but he also tells us how to be equipped in order to be able to uh, na- not only navigate, but survive what's coming. Does he not, Chris? Yeah. Okay, that's the stuff that's not being taught correctly, and that's the stuff that people aren't doing that people don't want to do because it's just too hard. And that's what we address in, in the majority of our books, and uh, especially the field manual. We address these issues. Here's what the Bible says, Christianity versus Bible. Here's what the Bible says we're supposed to be doing in order to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. But they won't do it. You know, uh, it involves um, 
not being stupid. It involves being proactive. It involves a certain level of intelligence. And all of that stuff, they're not being taught that in, in church. They're not being, the majority of people aren't being equipped like that. They want the, you know, church, church leaders are like yes men. They don't like people that are, you know, storming the, the gates. They're harder to control. So how do we do, what was it, Matthew 24 you were talking about? Mm-hmm. So how do we do that? How do we, how do we equip people for that? Well, like I say all the time, if you don't understand Genesis 6, you cannot accomplish Ephesians 6. It starts from the very beginning. If you don't understand what you got, what see, here's the, and I've, I've, I apologize to you. I, I have literally apologized to Christians on this show before. I apologize that you weren't forewarned of this when you became a Christian. When you became a Christian, no one told you, oh, by the way, you just entered a supernatural spiritual war that you weren't necessarily aware of. Um, and the whole reason for you, the whole reason for salvation is for you to become a warrior. Mm-hmm. Uh, a spiritual warrior. See, Israel wasn't aware of that. Israel wasn't aware that what was be what was what God's plan for them was to become warriors because they were going to have to take on the Nephilim. They weren't. They were a shepherding people. They weren't a warring people. And so, what does he do? He begins the process day one when they left Egypt. They were dressed in battle array, but he took them around the long way to avoid a fight with the Philistines because they weren't prepared to fight. They would have, they would have ran tail between their legs back to Egypt. Well, Christians, people come into Christianity and they're not told, they're not, they're not, they're not forewarned about this, that they just signed up for the draft. They've just been drafted into God's army. There's even a little song about that, isn't there? Um, I'm in the Lord's army. Right? Yeah. They, but that's a children's song. That's not reality. And and that you are going to now go through the – well, the idea is that these people are now, will now go through the process of being equipped to fight a war in a realm 60% of Christians don't believe exists. <laughs> We're so screwed. I wonder – Yeah. So, in order to accomplish, or in order to survive, or in order to come out on the other side of this thing, what we're talking about, Matthew 24, is requires our ability to walk in the Spirit. Most Christians don't walk in the Spirit. Apparently, 60 plus percent of Christians, based on that article uh, that just came out that we were talking about last week, more than 60 percent of Christians don't even believe in the Holy Spirit as an actual thing. So, why are they going to believe in a spiritual realm, or that they're supposed to walk in a spiritual realm, or that they're supposed to walk in the Spirit and not the flesh? Do you see how it all goes hand in hand? See, if I don't believe that the Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is an actual tangible part of the Godhead, but just uh, a philosophical concept, then walking in the Spirit is going to fall, you know what I'm saying? It's just natural that they're going to, it's just going to spread like that in their mind, in their psyche, in their understanding, that everything that has to do with spirituality regarding Christianity is also just, is just philosophy. And they said that 
having faith is more important than what faith you're involved with and that all oh, faiths wow. are good. Remember, that's what it said. Okay, well, that's not doing anybody any good. That's not going to help anybody. These people, in the same way that complete Jewish Bible talks about Israel in the desert in 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 12, it's going to happen to us too. Bodies will be strewn throughout the desert. As an equipping ministry, I don't want to see that happen. I want to equip people so that their body isn't laid out in the desert. I want them to survive this. I want them to be victorious and to reach their prophetic inheritance, not to die in the desert because they decided to go with Korah instead. Make sense? So how do we do that? When they're being taught by their pastor the exact opposite of what we're saying, the majority of these people. Yeah, I think what I'm wondering is breaking it down a little more, like assuming everyone watching us is in your camp. It's not a they thing. Talk to me. Like, to me, like it's, okay, so what do I do? So, like, if I get an email in my inbox, tell me the latest debacle, sign this petition, call your congressman, stand up. Like, what does Chris do? If I'm already in step with what you're saying, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Right. Like, like the, the people that let's say are lined up with everything you're saying. Right. Should we be celebrating this? Like, Oh, this is great. Or should we, or, or should we sign the petition or go to the, or like, what, what should we, what should I do in the next two hours? What, what, what should my day contain today, if anything different than what I'm already doing? Right. Is, is, is more what I'm thinking about. Right. Well, I mean, do we, how, to what extent are we supposed to be civilly disobedient? Yeah, or involved politically, or yeah. like what, what, where, if we really know this is actually God's will. Right. In a sense. Well, I mean. Or, not- or, we, or we know it's coming. Well, yeah, I mean, all of the, uh, I mean, a lot of this stuff is, I mean, just because it might be God will to go to Babylon doesn't mean you, right? What did he tell? I mean, it all depends. It is, I think it's, because, yeah. uh, you know, at one, what was it? We were talking about Phineas. At one point, Phineas is used by God to stop a war, but then at, an, at another point, Phineas is used to start a war. You have to mm-hmm. know, you know what I'm saying, what is God's will? Yeah. And not only is it, what is God's will for the, the greater, the big picture, what is God's will for you? So are you supposed to storm the cap? Oh, my God, I can't. No. Are you supposed to go to protests? I can't even, I can't even say what I, I was because it would be because of what happened. Anyway, are you supposed to go to, to protests and carry signs and go to demonstrations? I don't know. Are you? I can't say I can't say that you're supposed to do that because I'm you know I I don't know what God's will is for you in that regard. Yeah. It right? Could be different. You know, you, you even think of Isaiah who went and worked I mean he worked his job was to make a demonic government better. Bless the blesses he was in that in that place working for a government earning wealth, expanding this empire, but he was there right in the center. 
so I'm not saying that's what we're supposed to do, but it's just so it's so fascinating where where someone, let's say today studying Isaiah might not get that, you know, oh, you're gonna prosper. You're like it's no, he was actually his salary was being paid by a demonic government and his job was to expand it and make it better. And he did. Like Daniel. So was Daniel. Yeah, Daniel, Isaiah, yeah. Joseph, Daniel. Right. So what so what is the God's will for you, that for your for your particular situation? Are you supposed to demonstrate? Uh, are you supposed to go and pick it? Are you supposed to be, you know, grassroots campaign calling your congressman and brother? I, I don't I don't know. You know, I mean, for example, I'm being I'm I've been obviously I'm I'm in the, the I'm in the church trying to equip the people from the inside out versus an evangelist that is preaching to the world about Jesus. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I, it makes sense what you're saying, yes. Right. So uh, I'm not like an evangelist preaching to the world. I mean, I can and I do, but I'm, but I'm more inside the church, like, you know, with my music. I was in this arena. I'm in this arena now with the books and these live streams. Um, I'm talking to Christians about how they're not Christian <laughs> and how they have to become Christian and how the Bible says you're supposed to become a Christian. How's that going for you? Oh, man, that is the biggest pain in my heart. <laughs> no, we need, we need your voice, Alan. We need What's you. that? We need your voice. We need you. Well, I'm here. Here I am. Hey, he lays out some things really clear. Paul does. He says, the hand is not the foot. <laughs> that big finger is not the big toe. And yet you need all of that to maintain balance and walk forward. And we've tried to put our walk with Jesus in a cookie cutter environment. Our evangelists are trying to get people in the church, and he's trying to bring people to him because this whole stinking world is so diverse, he's going to have to use, he wants to use us through the power of the Holy Spirit to demonstrate his power, his love, and his mercy. Because, you know, if you want to take it from Micah, where uh, there was a lot of judgment going on, he, he left him with this. He says, what does it mean to he says, to, to love God is to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with thy God. I mean, if you start right there, it, it tells us what the nature of God is. But he told Jeremiah to destroy. <laughs> he said, he told him, tell them where they're at. Tell these false prophets that they're preaching, yes, everything will be peace yeah. and safety. He goes, you're nuts. He goes, it's not. And he goes, God's going to kill you because you're not telling the truth. Yeah. And then you got Isaiah who does want to change a nation. So every person individually is different. And we have not taught that in the church. We made people church people. Pastors were taught people how to make men churchmen and not true disciples. Hmm. Yeah. Lenny, you're always dropping the word on us. <laughs> I mean... But Oh, I screwed up a lot. I'm learning as I go, you know. Mm. I, by the way, I, I wasn't tracking you back in California, but good to hear you there. Are you an Isaiah or Jeremiah? 
Who, me? Yeah. Oh, no. I'm probably more in Jeremiah than I am in Isaiah. <laughs> because we're here. We're, we're right there. And how are we preparing the people right now? Mm. If anything, they need to cry out, come quickly for our redemption draws near. And that doesn't mean, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, that, that would be a problem, too. That would be uh, superfluous just on their part, just to rejoice in the destruction of many. Because, you know, look what's coming up. Yom Kippur. You know, what's interesting. I heard it taught one time and it just terrified me on that time when Jesus is coming back, running ripshod, destroying the armies of the Antichrist, marching through that 35 days that Daniel talks about. It's going to be starting out like at Yom Kippur, and he's coming to judge the nations, and we need to have our heads bowed low. And if we get to that place, we're saying, yeah, go get him, Jesus, for all the injustice and the freedoms they took away. Our head's going to get chopped off because he doesn't rejoice in the death of the wicked. Yeah. So where have we been taught on that? Everything is self-centered for us. And so... There's a lot of things to learn. Our hearts being prepared during these holy days right now, just that, oh, Lord, have mercy on me. Have mercy on this planet. Yet at the same time, Lord, bring your kingdom. It, it, it's a dichotomy. I mean, it's both. Abide mercy. till I come. Occupy. Invest. And at the same time, he says, look up. Long for my coming because it puts holiness in your life, according to First John 3. One, mercy, two, mercy is a good word, man. <sighs> For because of the Lord's great mercies, we are not consumed. That's right. Mm. I, I I ask for mercy for me and my family. Me too. Mm. What one thing we can say is that every person, regardless of what God's will for your life is, has to walk in the Spirit, has to be leading their family has to be doing his work while he still can, while it's still day. Um, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean, what do we do right now, you said, like what, the next two hours? Well, if, if, if you're not in alignment with what we're talking about as far as the Holy Spirit, if, you're not in, if your relationship isn't in alignment to that degree, if you don't, a lot of these people, but you see that, I understand a lot of people can't go to church because of distance or whatever. If you're not going to a church because they're not a Torah observant church, you're, you're hurting yourself. You're actually hurting yourself because most Torah observant churches are just as jacked up or whacked out as the Christian church. You're not going to. <laughs> um, I, I can't stress the need or the importance of fellowship. I just can't. You know, if you're walking into a church waving your Torah freak flag, that's that's your first mistake. Don't do that. They don't need to know anything about that. Go. You need you need the fellowship. You need the fellowship of the believers. You need to be. You know, uh, this this isn't enough. Internet church. That it, that's not the answer. I don't do this to replace internet church. No. That's that's silly. You're you're deceived if you believe that's okay. It's not. You have to find fellowship. Like-minded believers, like-minded, you know. A lot of people just won't they literally won't do that. They'll they'll, you know, 
they have this list, this laundry list of excuses why they shouldn't go to church. I, my laundry list actually, actually will trump yours. And I've never used that as an excuse not to go to church or not to be involved with church. So, you know, he said it simply, go and make disciples, teaching them to observe everything I taught you. So if we just want to get to a place where we're comfortable with a bunch of people around us, we should be going to those people that don't know anything just so that we can be a witness and a light and draw them into being a- the truth without being judgmental. Yeah. And do that without being judgmental and without without flying a Torah freak flag. You got that right. You no, know, don't do that. Torah terrorists. Yeah, don't do that. You know. Yeah. You know, it's again the people. Here, here's a twist on this verse that I always use. I always like to catch people saying, "What is the primary work of the Holy Spirit?" If you don't go back to what Jesus taught and you skip over to Paul, you're missing and you're not going to be able to understand what Paul is trying to say, that if you have the Holy Spirit, this is what is going to be reflective in the fruit of your life because you're obeying the Torah, right? So Jesus said really clearly, he goes, I'm going to send the helper. He's going to come and he's going to testify of me and He's coming to convict the world of sin. Why? Because he died for that sin. He's going to convict the world of righteousness because I go to the Father. And he's going to convict the world of judgment because he has been judged. Speaking of the enemy. So could that be? Also, another clue to his discipleship, how we have power over sin by obeying this word, how we have access to the Father by going straight to him. And that's what righteousness is and to teach people what that is and that we have authority over the demons and the powers of hell because they've already been judged. Could it be that? In that one little loaded statement, you go back to the beginning, Genesis 6. You go back to the beginning, Genesis 1. And you can see the power, if we understood the work of the Holy Spirit infused in us, what we could really have. And I think it was a clue from him saying, I'm sending you the helper. You want it or not. And yet the church is ragged on the Holy Ghost. They've discounted what his real function is. And it's hand in hand because... If you're going to overcome sin, you're going to show people by a word of knowledge exposing their sin. That's just one point of working in the spirit. If you're going to show people righteousness, you're going to prophesy edification, exhortation, and comfort. If you're going to show people judgment, you're going to raise the dead and heal the sick and destroy the works of the devil. That's all tied in together. But you've got to go back to the first words of Jesus. Yep. How does all that play into the fall feast, Lenny? That's good, Lenny. That's good, Lenny. You know what? The way it plays into the fall feast is because he says back in Leviticus 23, these are mine. Observe them because it gets you to me. He gave us a chance. He goes, look it. You have the privilege and I'm giving you the blessing of coming to meet with me. Every year. And you need this in your life because you know what? You'll forget about it the next day. That's why it's cyclical. Yep. And we've uh, that. I'm smiling here and tomorrow I could be cursing my brother. And I've done that before. 
come on, man. Yeah. Or else all of a sudden my eyes will go like this. And he goes, what are you, what are you looking at? And so I need to be reminded daily. I got to go to him daily. I got to be filled with the Holy Ghost daily. So I think what the feasts really show us is that this is huge because this is when corporately we can come and say, look at God's in our midst, man. What are we doing? Let's take advantage of this. Just my thinking on that. And as an an equipping, as an equipping ministry, we've actually have uh, created a resource to assist you with that. Yes, uh, we're in the fall feast. Uh, the fall feast started last week. And like Lenny said, uh, this Friday night Shabbat is also a high Sabbath of the uh, Day of Atonement, Day of Yom Kippur. We call it at one minute. That's this Friday night, make, which means that's the 10th day of the seventh month. And... There's something exciting happening this Friday night, too, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then this Friday night, I'll be on uh, A Rude Awakening, Shabbat Night Live. I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, Yeah. That's cool. And so we're in the middle of this fall feast thing, this fall feast thing. And, uh, you know, so take take advantage of those those resources, planetbluemedia.com. Yeah. A week from you know, a week from tomorrow night is uh, the uh, the evening of the high Sabbath of uh, the first day of Tabernacles, the first day of the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Ingathering, Sukkot. So we, we you have basically eight days, nine days to uh, erect your to build your sukkah. So, what's a sukkah? Well, that's why we have that. <laughs> it's a temporary dwelling place. A booth, a booth. It's um, yeah. It's a it's a it's a good time. It's a good time. And we are supposed to, according to as um, is your family going camping again this year or what? No, we're just gonna be we're gonna be here, and we're gonna set it up in the backyard. Uh, and uh, and Haggai, we're supposed to be in. We're in the season of we're supposed to be erecting his house in our midst. So that's part of the tabernacle. Jesus came and tabernacled among us. It's actually, yeah, uh, uh, Jesus was actually born during Sukkot. So if you want to observe, you know, here's the Christian convoluted argument. It's okay if we celebrate Jesus' birthday. Well, yeah, knock yourself out. But it's it's like during the Feast of Tabernacles, not December 25th. Well, no one knows. Oh, no. We do. We do know when he was born because it says so. It tells us in the New Testament. You just have to be smart enough to connect the dots and see, once again, they won't do that. It's just a lot easier to just say, oh, December 25th. It's easier than, oh, well, wait. Okay, well, David said, here's the order of priests and their rotation schedule that David set up in the Old Testament. Oh, okay, and then it clearly tells us that John the Baptist's dad the high priest was doing his cycle, and he was of what order? Oh, well, that order does their cycle in this time period. So if he was doing that then, and then he goes home and gets his wife Elizabeth pregnant, and then nine months later, and then on the sixth month, Mary visits Elizabeth, and she's pregnant with Jesus. Oh, that was around, that means Jesus was conceived around Hanukkah. And then nine months later, Sukkot, hmm, See, 
you know, my biggest, I got saved 40, almost 40, January will be 42 years. I got saved almost 42 years ago. And my biggest issue with Christianity was how not smart they are and how they won't bother to do their homework. They go to church, they, they, they're, they're, they're spoon-fed nonsense, and then they don't go home and test it. They don't go home and do their homework. And so because they never do their homework, they don't actually know what I just said is in the Bible. And I've never understood that. I'm not that smart of a guy. I'm just not that smart. But, you know, growing up in L.A. in the music business in the 70s, you have to have, be a little smart. You know, you got to have be a little quick. You got to be quick. You got to be a little, you know, what's the word? Uh, street smart. Yeah, but not just street smart, but also, yeah, cunning. Uh, you got to have, right? You got to be as cunning as. Play the game. Yeah, all those things, right? And and I was, which is why I was sent away. <laughs> I was pretty good at, at, at that, right? But you have to be wise and cunning and all that stuff, right? And so I got then I get into Christian, and it's like some of the non-cunningest, not smart, not the majority. And it's like, I don't understand this. How does that represent the king of the universe? It doesn't. And then you start reading stuff about like the parable of the talents, parable of the minas, and you go, oh, well, oh, okay. So it's, it's not me. Jesus is actually saying the same thing that everyone's just decided they're not going to do. Anyway. So. Yeah, I think that that's the, the great thing about your life. The, the pleasant boundaries that have fallen over you is that you were exposed to that, that world. You were exposed to an entirely different world than most of evangelical right. Christianity grew up in. Right. That's also the thorn in your flesh, huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You've seen it. <laughs> mm. I appreciate your zeal, man. I, do, I really do. Well, thanks. Ho hopefully, it's coupled with wisdom. <laughs> I'm, st I'm still thinking of Lenny's Lenny's sermon about ten minutes ago. Man, it makes me want to like shut this down and get in my closet and get on my knees. We all need we all need the presence, man. We all need more of the Holy Spirit in flowing freely. I do. I'll speak for myself, man. I think this last, the last 18 months, it's really where I would say if I was operating in my own strength, I'd just tap out on the world. Like, I'm done here. Like, this is, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. You can't do that. But then I'm just like, you know what, Lord, I need you. I, if, I, if I watch my feed, if I if I'd continue doom scrolling, I'm just going to get agitated and anxious. And I just want the peace of the Holy Spirit flooding my life. So, I, I, if I'm going to answer my own question, what does that mean for me? <laughs> like, what am I going to do? You know, like I'm like, yeah, like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go to science. You know, you know, I'm not 
going to put my energies into things that I can't necessarily feel like I can stop, but I feel like I got a call to worship. And I, I'm literally going in my closet in my basement with my kids and be, you know what? Power goes out. My internet gets hijacked. I still got an acoustic guitar and a conga. And like, you know what, kids? The words in my mouth, meditation in my heart. And yeah. now we're going to sing. We're going to practice the Psalms. We're going to open our mouths and just speak the name of Jesus and sing at the top of our lungs. And worship is the warfare. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and we're supposed to do the work while it's still day. So while it's still day and we can still work because the time is coming where we won't be able to, it says Mm -hmm. we do this, we do what we can. We write the books, we do the live streams, we travel and do worship and mute. You know what I'm saying? We're out or we're out focused. We're focused on the world around us, believer or non. And we, we bring, we love people into a right relationship with Messiah. You go. No matter how much that pisses them off, and no matter how much they don't understand that we're actually loving them. Because they will drag you into the temple saying they're doing God's will. You know what I mean? True worship's doing. It really is. <laughs> doing the spirit and truth. Yeah. That's like a dance. Oh. And it ain't the hokey pokey. Oh boy, <laughs> shut up. I won't go there. Sorry. Oh man. <laughs> you know, the world system is designed to keep us from doing what it is that we're supposed to do, which is God's will. So when Elisha asked Elijah for a double portion, Elijah said, You've asked for a hard thing. Why? Why is a double portion of God's Holy Spirit a hard thing? Because it contradicts our time-space continuum. It conflicts with the fabric of our reality. It conflicts with the God and system of this planet, of this world. Um, That's an inside joke for all the flat earthers. Um, That's why it's a hard thing, because what we're talking about Jesus, the Holy Spirit, walking in the spirit in the physical realm, understanding Genesis 6 so that we can actually survive Ephesians 6, isn't walking in the spiritual realm in this physical reality isn't normal. See, The world system is the world system because they don't have the hope that we have, because they don't have the the rooted foundation that we have, that there is a Elohim in Israel that loves them and died for them, and his thoughts for them are good thoughts always, continually. They don't believe that. They don't know that, and they don't believe that. And so it's like, and so because they don't know that or believe that, because they don't believe that, they don't know that. See, it's, that's the way it works. Because they don't believe it, they don't know it. And so out of that fear and uncertainty, they lash out like a scared cat, like a scared kitty or a scared animal, like a, a, a caged animal. 
What does what does Jude say? Like animals. <laughs> and so we can't be surprised when they if you understand what this system is about, if you understand who's in charge of this system and who and what he is, a liar and a murderer from the beginning, then it shouldn't surprise us that we're surrounded by humans that are literally functioning like animals because they don't have the hope of Messiah in them. And they do everything they can not to submit to his lordship and authority. You know, a few months ago, I was talking to some friends, and it was so sad. I hadn't seen him really talk. I hadn't really talked to him for about three years. And they just made excuse after excuse after excuse why they still weren't doing Shabbat. Just Shabbat. We're just talking, take a day a week. Set it apart for your health. For your well-being. That's why the Bible says that's one of the reasons why you're supposed to be doing that. And they're like, yeah, I know we're supposed to do that. Yeah, I know we're supposed to do that. They've been telling me that for um, 17 years, 18 years. And they still won't do it. And all I heard regarding, I mean, I, I would ask a question. I wasn't trying to be, you know, I love these people. And I just asked a question. And every time I would ask a question, they literally had an excuse based on the flesh, not in the spirit, based on human reasoning, not in the spirit, based on practical, based on practicalities. Well, what about our ministry? Well, what about this? And we're leading this and we have people this and we have to, I mean, on and on and on and on. So you just get to the point where you just go, okay, I, I, it's like um, it's like Samuel. Samuel, they didn't reject you. They rejected me, God told him. Why are you taking it so personally? It's not you. It's me. And it, but, it's, but it's saddening. It's, to me, it's very sad that people that I love, the excuses they make for why they're not going for the brass ring. Why? I mean, why aren't you going? I mean, but they, but see, but they believe they are. They believe that they're going balls to the wall. Can you even say that? They believe that they're going a thousand, you know, that they're going for it, you know? But I asked two or three, four questions and they just, they tell me how, you know, it exposes them. No, you're not going balls to the wall. You're compromised. Look at all the little ways you're compromising. How's your health? Uh, well, um, well, are you doing that? Are you doing that Sabbath thing yet? No. Oh, okay. I've explained the dots that connect the two, but you know. Anyway, it's just it just bums me out because we're in relative peace time. If you're not taking care of these things in relative peace time, why do you think you're going to automatically just jump to the head of the line in, in, in ability? Um, if you're not practicing the spiritual gifts, if you're not practicing healing the sick, like your wife and children, 
why do you think that when the brownie hits the whirly, you are out of, out of nowhere going to be able to function in those realms and areas? Yeah. How can you run with horses? There you go. Yeah, if you can't contend now, how can yeah. how will you when it when it when the brownie hits the whirly? That's right. It, it doesn't work that way. But they actually, I think, but they, but I, but I really do believe that that's what they believe. That when it when it kicks in, I'll have to, I'll just take care of it. You know, I, I've been told by Christians, well, uh, you know, so we don't have to do the Torah now. I go, are you aware that Torah is in full full swing? When Jesus comes back during the millennium reign? Yeah, well, we'll do it then. No, you won't, because you're not invited to the party on Mount Zion, because you're not doing that stuff now. You know, it's... If you're not doing those things, if you, if you can't lay hands on your child and heal them now, why do you think you're going to be able to when there's no more medical uh, 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 to go to? Yeah, I'm also thinking of uh, the Psalm, is it 32, 33? Pray to you in a time when you may be found. Yeah. And the flood of great water before the flood overwhelms you. Yep. Work while it's still day because night's coming. You know, if, if you can't trust God for supernatural provision today, money for your bills, a job, uh, 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 food multiplication, if you're not functioning in those areas today, why why do you think you're going to be able to just conjure that type of stuff up out of nowhere? They really do believe that they have no responsibility in this and that God's just going to supernaturally just do it for them. Where does it say that? You know, you know, you know how Abraham is sitting in the shade of a tree. And he sees three men coming up the path, and he knew exactly what it was and who it was. You believe that he did because God just, I don't know, ding. No. Abraham already had a lifestyle of practicing this stuff, which is why when he met Melchizedek, he understood the spiritual authority of Melchizedek and gave him 10%. See, he was already functioning in these realms. He was already walking like that. He was already practicing this stuff. So when those three guys showed up, he knew exactly who it was and responded immediately to it. Hmm. It wasn't just because God went ding. No. Abraham had, had been walking like that. He had been working this stuff out. Nowhere does it tell us in the Bible, nowhere in any biblical narrative does it tell us that these guys functioned at those levels just because. No, they worked at it. It was a process. Well, who are you, American or, you know, modern Christian, that you're so freaking special that God's just going to ding you? You've got nothing. You've got nothing in your wheelhouse to suggest that or to, to, to back that men the mentality or thought process. Zero. Absolutely zero. Yeah, Bible roulette's not a spiritual gift. You, you don't even and have That's what everybody authority. plays. Let me just open the Bible to this and fall to the page. It doesn't work like that. 
doesn't work like that. Not that God can't lead us, but it's obedience. It's the little things. I I got to speak again. I'm using that golden phrase I heard from this incredible prophet, and it was amazing. They asked me about Sabbath, and I says, can you, this is what this man said, and I go, it impacted me. And I go, can you imagine if children would watch mom and dad pray over each other on the Sabbath? Ooh, I wonder who said that. I got to get that embroidered <laughs> because that was probably one of the most uh, incredibly anointed yet simple, impactful things, Alan, I've heard you say. And when I've ever used, when I've used that, it's changed more people's lives because all of a sudden they said, Oh man, this puts me right in the center of what I have to do to care for my family. Yeah. And to obey God, the, the first simple thing, honor what he's given to us, his rest. That's why Sabbath is so important. Just. Yeah. I actually did a Facebook poll when I was writing that. I put a, con you know, I put a post out there. Hey, have a question. How many of you grew up with your parents actually leading you in communion in your home and praying for you? And it was, uh, it wasn't a good, uh, yeah. Not, not, not too many. Not very many. No, that's not normal. That's not normal for Christians. Wasn't normal for me. Yeah, and that's what the church should have taught. That's what we were, the church should have taught foremost. Right, Chris, you said that wasn't normal for you, and you were born, you were raised, in, you're in a generational home, Christian generational Christian home. Yeah, yeah. See, and that, I think that's weird. Well, that's because that. There's this, uh, there's this piece of high priesthoodness we weren't, we aren't taught. You know, I wasn't raised in a Christian home, so you know that was that wasn't going to happen. Um, that's why I say what I say. You know, we 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 always had dinner around the table since we've had kids, and so introducing Shabbat to the family wasn't that strange. You know, for us. Can I share a cool testimony, though? Oh, absolutely. My dad led me to the Lord when See? he was leading me in communion. That's right. It happened to be in the church on a Sunday night, but we were, it was, right. my my understanding, I was seven or whatever, was, that was when I understood the crucifixion and Jesus, Jesus died for you, like you. Yeah. That's rad. Yeah, but, you know, but, but, but you know, we probably did it once or twice in my home, but it wasn't like a regular thing. Yeah, sure. yeah. Uh, Christians are not equipped for what's coming because <laughs> what's coming spiritual, and the majority of them don't believe in the spiritual realm. So that's going to be a deficit to them. It's probably going to scare them, but not to God. Probably the majority will be scared from God because. Well, then there can't be a God because God wouldn't allow this to happen. And now this is happening, so there mustn't be a God. I mean, the enemy is going to the, the, the enemy is using everything that is happening on the earth right now. The enemy is not only behind, he's using it. This is he's orchestrating all this. Fear is the primary engine, is the main engine for what's going on out there right now. And fear, that's fear. not God. 
God doesn't work that way. It's grievous, grievous, grievous. What's how do you say that? Grievous is grievous a word. Grievous, grievous. It brings grief. Yeah, it's it's grievous. <laughs> yeah. so God doesn't do that. We gotta remember, man. Jesus is coming to establish a physical kingdom because this kingdom is not of of his, you know, his kingdom is not of this world. That doesn't mean he's not going to come to this world and establish a kingdom. That's another Christian goofball thing. Well, it's amazing because he's told us all along. Abraham saw it in the stars when he went into that sleep of his. Yeah. It's nothing new. And like you said the other day, you know, you think this is surprising God what's happening? No. Yeah. No, we just need to we just need to know what God's spirit is saying and then we need to do it. And right now God's spirit is saying he wants to build his house among in our midst. That's right. His sukkah, his tabernacle in our midst. Yep. And so Father, we pray that your people would rise up and be your people. Hey, before we go, um, this Friday night, I'll be on a Rude Awakenings Shabbat Night Live. Watch that. I think with a, what we're talking about, the message, we're talking about our field manual resource. How to get from your Egypt, from where you're at in the desert, to your prophetic inheritance without being taken out by God or taken out yourself, <laughs> taking yourself out. And um, it's, it's a four-week series. It'll begin this Friday night. Join us by watching that. It's not only the Sabbath, weekly Sabbath, Friday night, but it's also the high Sabbath of Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. So, hey, a lot of stuff going on between now and the next Chameleon Church. Chris, you're always welcome to join us whenever you can or whenever you want. Lenny, talk to you later. Chris, talk to you later. Those of you watching, thanks again for joining us. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share, whatever it is that you do. We'll see you then. You're listening to Chameleon Church. Biblical antidotes for the modern man. With your host, Ellen Aguirre. The views and opinions expressed during our broadcasts are solely those of the broadcast producers, hosts, and or guests, etc., and are not necessarily the views or opinions of the Travelog Network, its sponsors, or affiliates.